are starting now, week number three of this study, the, the priority and power of prayer. We are going to begin our journey tonight into the book of Acts. We have been setting up for the last two weeks um, just talking about prayer. Uh, the first week, we, we talked about three areas of prayer that are vital that we need to understand. We talked about devotional prayer or personal prayer. We talked about intercessory prayer, where the Lord calls us to begin to intercede on behalf of other needs. And we talked about ministry prayers or prayers of agreement, when we come together and we are agreeing for things. So we kind of set the stage and, and set that up the first week, just talking about what prayer looks like and and we spent that night talking about that then last week I talked to you about the second part of what I believe was a prophetic word from the Lord into my spirit when the Lord spoke to me and said the spirit of the Lord is moving and stirring in Gethsemane again in this transitional time and and Gethsemane was a place an oil press it was a place of pressing. It was where Jesus would press in prayer and the disciples would sleep rather than press. And I already preached that to you, but last week in our study, we talked about the second part of that word that the Lord gave me because the, the second part of that was that the Lord said the church, and I believe speaking of our church, church in general, but River Life specifically, the church is as an olive tree. And I shared that last week with you, and we talked about the olive tree and, and the, the way that the olive tree can represent us. If you were not here or you did not hear that, I encourage you to go and listen or to go and watch that because I believe the Lord is speaking that into our church. And I believe you will learn something and you will pull something out of that. And so we've been setting the stage for where we are going and beginning tonight. And that is in the book of Acts. And what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we are going to begin to walk through the book of Acts, ch chapters in the book of Acts and, and settings in the chapters of the book of Acts. And we are going to look and examine prayers that we see taking place among the early church. And the results of those prayers. What those prayers would produce. And we are going to begin that process tonight. And we are going to be challenging. And we are every Tuesday night for the foreseeable future. Every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock we are meeting here in the sanctuary for prayer. Um, it's socially distanced and cleaned and all that stuff. But we're meeting here for prayer. I encourage you to come. We're calling it the press because the Lord, I believe, is challenging us to press in. And the way you press in is in prayer. And, and I believe the Lord is calling us to press forward in prayer. And, and so I, if you can't be here on those Tuesday nights at 7, then at 7 o'clock find somewhere to pray at your house or wherever you might be. Because I believe it is important that we begin to press. And so what we are doing now is we are looking through... The book of Acts, and we're going to learn a little more about what our pressing in prayer will produce. Uh, and I'm hoping that at the end of this study, my desire and my goal is at the end of this study that we have been challenged to see the priority and to experience the power that comes as we begin to press in prayer. 
That's, that is what our goal is as we move forward. So tonight, we're going to be looking at some, some circumstances, some settings in Acts 2, Acts 3, and Acts chapter 4. And we're going to be pulling these out, and, and I'm going to be talking to you. Now, what I'm going to talk to you tonight about is the concept of the releasing prayer. The releasing prayer. The releasing power of prayer, I should say. We're going to learn that in these three chapters. We're going to see some settings where we see releasing power because of prayer. And what prayer will release. That's what we're going to begin to look at. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into this. I'm going to share with you. And at the end, I'm going to give you a challenge that the Lord challenged me about this morning. And I shared it with the, some of the team that was here as we left today. And I'll be sharing that with you tonight because I believe the Lord has given us a, a challenge even yet today. The releasing power of prayer. First stop we're going to make is in a very familiar setting. And that is in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And I'm going to read through verse number 4. Acts 2 verse 1 through verse 4. Any Pentecostal, charismatic believer that has spent any time at all in church will know these scriptures. Uh, and if you're like me and you've been raised up in Pentecostal churches your entire life, you've heard this passage of scripture who knows how many times. But it is still powerful and it is still true. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want you to skip down with me for just a moment to verse 9. At verse 9, it, at verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 8, the people gathered around and they said, How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So when the disciples and the, uh, the followers of Christ, the 120 in that upper room, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. And the people outside heard them magnifying God, giving God glory in their own tongues, in their own language. Now, there's several ways to look at that. Uh, some, some would say, well, the disciples were just speaking their languages. And, and that would be a miracle because they didn't know those languages. But the Bible says that the, the, they were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, and all of those people named and the nations that weren't named that would have been gathered there. I'm, I'm not so sure about that because I believe out of the chaos you wouldn't be able to pick out your own language when all this is going on. I 
tend to believe that there was a miracle of hearing. That the people standing around while the disciples and the 120 were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was a miracle of hearing that fell upon the people. And each of them heard in their own language God speaking to them about the wonderful works He was speaking through the Spirit. But what I want to pull out of this and what I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking more at the concept of prayer. So just bear with me a little bit. I know you're probably expecting me to go a certain way, and I'm not going to go that way tonight because I want to focus on the prayer aspect of it. The disciples and the 120, they were in the upper room. They were waiting. They didn't know what they were waiting for. They, they, they didn't know what this was going to look like or sound like or feel like. They, they didn't, they've never had this experience before. All they knew was that Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem until. To be there until. In Acts chapter 1, we find out that once Jesus was taken up from among them, that when they went to Jerusalem, when they went to the upper room, they began to conduct business. Because they had to replace a disciple. And so they began to conduct business. And the Bible says they went about conducting their business and picking the next disciple. And while they are tearing and while they are waiting in this upper room, I believe there had to be a time of prayer and contemplation. They are waiting in the presence of the Lord because that waiting moment is a word. They're, they're not just sitting around doing nothing. They are waiting with a, an expectation. And that's really what prayer is all about. It's an expectation of communicating with God and coming into the presence of God. And what I want to focus on about in this setting, about the releasing power of prayer, is I want you to see something. As they gathered together, the Bible says they were in one place and in in one accord. Now, let me ask you something. How many believe that if they are just gathered together conducting business, they're all in one accord? I can tell you they weren't. You know how I can tell you that? Because they had two people they were determining between. Amen. So, if there's two people that they are determined, they're asking God to show them which one is the right one, that means they, they weren't all in one accord on that. They, they weren't all together on that. So how could they be in one place, in one accord, in one mind? I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe it is because they were in prayer. Because when we come into prayer, when we come to call upon the Father and wait for the promises that He has spoken to us and ask for His direction, we can come into unity. Because when we are truly praying and seeking the Lord, we can come together like no other uh, time in our life. And so I believe they were gathered in this upper room doing what they would always do, and that is they were thinking about what the Lord had said to them. They were rehearsing His teaching. I believe they were, they were praying and asking God for the outpouring of the Spirit. And even though it doesn't say the words in Acts 2 verses 1 through 4, I believe they were praying because the Spirit comes upon people who are in a prayerful atmosphere and a prayerful spirit. And so the first thing we're going to see, prayer or communication, togetherness in the presence of God releases... The filling power, the filling work of the Holy Spirit. 
That's the first thing that we see. We're talking about the, the releasing power of prayer. When we come together to communicate with God, to be in His presence, to fellowship with Him, when we gather on Tuesday nights, we're calling it the press, and the press is an acrostic, and it means to praise. Okay? So when we come together to, to praise and to celebrate, to glorify the Lord, and when they come to release... They release repentance. They release their will. They release their desires. When they come then to encounter, because they were gathered in that upper room to encounter God in a brand new way. When they come for an encounter, something they're looking for. The, the S, the first S then, would stand for supplication, which means to ask and to make their petitions known. And as they begin to ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then the, the last S on our Tuesday night stands for then syncing your life up with what God does as you leave. And, and I believe that's exactly what was happening in that upper room. They were praising God. They were releasing their will, their desires. They were ready for an encounter. They were in supplication and asking God for this outpouring that they had been promised. And then they were ready to sink their lives with the Spirit as He came. And so there is a releasing power of prayer that releases the Holy Spirit to do His work. Now how many believe if prayer releases the Holy Spirit to do His work in our lives, prayer must be pretty important? If we, if we want the Holy Spirit to have liberty and freedom to work in our lives the way He desires to fill us and to empower us and to strengthen us and to gift us and all of these things, then we need to be prayerful. We need to be pressing. We need to be in His presence and we need to be expecting. And then the second thing that happens in that upper room is once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, we see the releasing power of prayer releases the church into their world because they stepped outside of that upper room and Peter began to preach with the others standing there with him. The power of prayer released the church into their world. Can I tell you, I believe this is a problem in the church today because oftentimes we are not a prayerful people. We, we are not an expecting people. So we are not giving time to the presence of the Lord. And therefore, we are never feeling the full effects of the releasing power into our world. Because it is in prayer when God communicates with you. He communicates through His Word. And He communicates through His Spirit. And in times of prayer, when you are meditating upon Him, speaking with Him, communicating with Him, you can hear Him. And until we spend time in prayer, we will never have a full release into our world. As they prayed and the Spirit fell among them, they could not contain it within themselves, and they had to spill out and make a difference in their world. I believe a praying church will be a church that is released to make a difference in our world. Amen. I believe praying people will be people that are released to make a difference in their families. Praying people will be people who are released to make a difference on their jobs. 
praying people will be people that are released to make a difference in their schools, in their communities, wherever they are. But until we engage in prayer and put ourselves in a room where God can speak to us and move upon us or put ourselves in a place where everything else is shut out so we can hear what God wants to do, until we can do that, we cannot be fully released. In the upper room, they saw the releasing power of prayer because as they were asking the holy spirit fell upon them was released upon them and then as they were being filled with the spirit and they're praising God and giving glory to God then they are released to go make a difference in their world how many want to experience the releasing power of prayer amen see if you are timid if if you are timid to share your faith if you are timid about living a Christian example before our world, if, if, you are, if you are still finding yourself so full of the flesh and the world that, that you're more worldly than you are spiritual, then you need to spend time praying so that you can be released to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. Amen. This is pretty simple stuff, but I just want you to think about this with me. Okay? The next step we're going to take is in Acts 2. And verse number 37. So I want you to move down to Acts 2.37. Peter preaches to them. The people standing around. Some of these would have been people probably that were in the crowd saying crucify Jesus. These would have been people that would have ridiculed and mocked. These would have been people that, that would have probably not been the people you would have thought would be ready to receive something. But in verse 37, as Peter's preaching to them, when they heard his preaching, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation." Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now I'm going to read one more scripture that I'm going to tie with my next one. And that's verse 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. They say to him, what do we need to do to have what you are telling us about? And he said, you have to repent. You have to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to accept him as your Savior. How many know repentance is an act of prayer? You have to pray the prayer of repentance. You have to speak those words. You believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. So the church experienced the releasing power of prayer the, to receive the Spirit, to go into their world. But now, those that are around them, the, the power of prayer now releases revival. Amen. Prayer 
where they were asking God to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They were praising Him. They were led to go out and preach. People were saying, what should we do? He says, repent. And so they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. What's happening? The power of prayer has just released revival. Does anybody believe that our world needs revival? Amen. I'm not talking about three or four nights of somebody coming in to preach. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, 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 you know, calling somebody, they come in, and we, we have different singing groups come in. And we, I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about a revival that shakes a world like we see in the book of Acts. You know what, what causes that? Prayer. I want you to see this. They're praying. They're asking for what God has for them. They were asking. They were waiting in the upper room saying, God, give us what you promised. Jesus said for us to tarry. Here we are. Give us what you promised. They receive the Holy Spirit. He leads them to begin to magnify and praise uh, the, the works of God. People begin to hear it. Peter walks out on the porch and begins to preach to them. They repent of their sins. And let me tell you, you, revival has just broke out in Jerusalem but I want you to notice it wasn't just going to be Jerusalem because you remember all of those all of those names I read off when we were looking at all the different people that were there that were hearing in all their languages revival didn't just stay in Jerusalem it went back with them to all of those places where they had come from prayer released revival and look at this. And those that gladly received his word that day were about 3,000 souls. Yeah. Just a few days, just a few weeks from Jesus being crucified in Jerusalem. Now just a few weeks down the road... The power of prayer and the finished work of Christ and the outpouring of the Spirit has just produced a bomb that has went off in Jerusalem that would never be contained. What could our prayers do? Amen. See, we need that kind of revival that's like a bomb that goes off in our, in our communities, in our world. That's, that's prayer releases revival. If we're not praying, we're holding in revival. Amen. I told you we're going to be going on a, on a prayer journey here through the book of Acts. And we're going to see what it produces. But already we've seen it produces the release of the Holy Spirit. We see that it produces the church being released into their world. And now we see that it begins to produce the release of revival in a city that's going to shake a world. Amen. Now, Acts 2, verse 42. I read it once. I'm going to read it again. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So not, not, now they are continuing in this, in the doctrine that's their teaching. Fellowship. See, people that say, oh, it's not important to get together. No, they don't, they don't realize what, what Christianity is all about. Fellowship is vital to the body of Christ. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. 
they're, they're continuing in prayer. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Now look, in this setting in Acts 2, prayer releases the demonstration of God's power. If we want the demonstration of the Spirit, the miracles and the healings and the wonders, then we got to be praying. Amen. I didn't make that up. Verse 32 said, and in prayers, and verse 43, then fear came upon, upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Then means following prayer was many signs and wonders. Amen. Prayer released the demonstration of the power of God. Prayer released unity in the church. All of these different people considered all things in common. Amen. When we are lacking unity in the church, it is because we are not praying as we should. Because true prayer, communicating with God causes you and me to lay down our will and we rally around what God wants. Amen. The church now is beginning to find out. This young church is beginning to grow. This thing called, this revival has taken off and they're just hanging around together and fellowshipping and breaking bread, talking about what Jesus taught, talking about what the prophets and the law had said because that's, that's what they were seeing now laid out. They were talking about all of that. They were praying together. There was fear and awe of God among them. They were in common. They were unified. They were together. Prayer releases unity. And then the third thing that we see in this setting is prayer releases radical generosity. Because look what it said they did. Amen. Now y'all don't we don't like to talk about this because it really kind of hits us when we start reading some of these things. We start, you know, as we start bristling up at that, say, oh no, is pastor going to call us to some kind of commune or compound or what's going on? But here's what it said they did. It said in that moment, there was radical generosity. It said so much so, they didn't consider, they sold their possessions. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. And if you come on Tuesday night prayer, it doesn't mean God's going to call you to go sell all your possessions. You know, it's hard enough to get people to come out Tuesday night prayer. I don't want you to think God's going to ask you to sell everything if you come. Just let Him do that once you're here. No, I'm joking. Sold their possessions and their goods. Divided them among all as anyone had need. They're helping each other. They're there. They're reaching out. They're the, when, when somebody's in need, they're not going to let them be in need. They're going to make sure they help them. Because prayer releases radical generosity. Because when you are a prayerful person, God can speak to you to do things you would not do in the natural. How many know we need some of that? We need some radical generosity. 
where we hear the will of God, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Spirit, and we respond with radical generosity. That's what, that's what prayer released in this setting. Just, just follow. I'm not going to recap every time or else I'll be here all night just trying to do that. But think, keep in your mind the things that we've already discovered that prayer has released just in Acts chapter 2. Now let's go into Acts chapter 3. In verse number 1 of Acts 3, Peter and John went up together to the temple. When? When did they go up? At the hour of what? The hour of prayer. The ninth hour. It, it, was, it was a normal thing for them. At the hour of prayer. It was their routine. It was what they do. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And he was there to ask alms of people that came in. But he saw Peter and John, and he was about to go into the temple, and he asked for alms from them. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, Look at us. And the man looked, expecting to receive something. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was the beggar who had laid at the gate. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Prayer releases the miraculous healing power found in the name of Jesus. They're on their way to pray. They are in a mindset of prayer already. When the man speaks to them, they are ready to respond. Prayerful people will release the miraculous healing power found in Jesus' name. Jesus said, in Mark chapter 16, he said, in my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name. It was a, it was a promise that he had given to them. And now we see the disciples doing that. They are exactly doing that. What Jesus had declared. Prayerful people will see a release of the healing power of Jesus. Amen. Keep that in your mind. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. Now let's go to Acts 3.13. I hope it's all right with you and I hope you're making notes. Because Acts 3.13, they've, they've seen healing in this man. And now the lame man, everybody starts gathering together. Peter starts preaching to the people. In verse 13... It says that he's telling them about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, and he's preaching to them. He said, you denied the Holy One and the Just One. I mean, he's preaching a bold message. 
He's, he's telling them about Jesus, verse 16, and his name, the name of Jesus, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, who you see and you know. And, and he's, he's preaching to them about Jesus. He's telling them, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing will come. Acts 3.19, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He will send Christ, Jesus, who was preached to you before. And, and, and He's coming again. So He's preaching this message to them. Verse 26, to you first, God, having raised up His servant, Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Chapter 4, as they spoke to the people, priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. And they were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached Jesus. They laid hands on them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But look at verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Acts 2 and Acts 3, into the very beginning parts of Acts 4, we see prayer has released a move of God. People are coming to the Lord by the thousands. Amen. I mean, it's a powerful move of God. I, but prayer also, praying also released persecution. And prayer also released the attempts to silence them. And let, me, let me just let me tell you, prayer will also bring up opposition. Have you ever discovered that when you really get serious about praying, opposition rises? How about you online? Have you discovered that? When you really get serious about praying, opposition will rise. Because prayer produces. And as prayer produces, the enemy gets mad. And as the enemy gets mad, he opposes what God is doing. But here's the good news. When the enemy rose up in opposition, the Bible said it was already too late. Amen. If you'll let me put my own spin on it. He said they took them, they locked them up in jail, but it was too late. Amen. Because many had already heard the word and had already believed. And now the number of men had now come to about 5,000 men. Not counting the women and children that were there. We're seeing a movement, an awakening has occurred. Prayer releases an awakening. I'm a, I'm a church history I, I love church history. I love to read. I love to study about church history. And do you know every great move of God, the great awakenings that occurred in the church down through the ages have always been preceded by people that are praying. Opposition has always risen. See, we have no excuse. We cannot say, well, we c they don't allow us to do that. Opposition is no excuse to quit praying and to be publicly praying and public with our faith. That's no excuse. Praying people will go public. Amen. And opposition will rise, but a movement will begin. 
See, this thing that we're a part of, this is not even so much a religion. Religion is, is all these things in the world. You see all the rules. and all. What, what we are in, we are a part of a movement. It's a movement of the body of Christ. We are a part of a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And you and I, if Jesus is our Savior, we are a part of a movement that is supposed to awaken our world. For anyone that will hear and anyone that will see, if we are praying people and we are a praying church, a movement of God will be awakened. Oh, I, I, I so desperately want a movement of God to be awakened right here among us. But it's going to mean we have to pray. And when opposition rises, we have to keep going and keep staying public. So they take them and they throw them in jail. And they pull them out. And they... Peter begins to address the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. And he, he begins to tell them about Jesus and tell them that they're judged. Verse 11, this is the stone, Jesus, which was rejected by you builders. He's become the chief cornerstone. There, nor is there salvation in any other. I, I wish we had some Christians that were bold enough to stand up in our culture today and tell anyone that would listen, there is not salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus. You can't get to the Father in any other way. You can't come to Him through any religion through good works, through anything that you do. It is only coming through the name and by the power of Jesus Christ. I wish we would have people that would stand up and tell politicians that, tell anyone judges that, tell anyone that would try to oppose. There is salvation in no other name. My faith and my trust is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. We need to be people who will stand up for Christ. In verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they remembered they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled. And they remembered they had been with Jesus. In verse 14, and they saw the man who had been healed, and they could say nothing against it. So they commanded them to leave, and they said, what are we supposed to do? Let me get on to it, Greg. Just get down to it. So in verse 19, but Peter, they told them, do not speak in his name anymore. Don't teach in his name anymore. Verse 19, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Hmm. You, you, you hearing what he's saying to them? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Can I tell you, I think a lot of the problem in the church today is we have not seen nor heard enough to keep speaking when things get tough. We're not praying. And when we're not praying, we're not seeing the release. And we're not seeing and we're not hearing enough to keep being bold when things get tough. Amen. Y'all still with me? So they said, you, you saw what had happened here. And so verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions. They reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, and they begin to pray. Lord, you are God. 
who made heaven and earth. He, he, he goes on, he prays, he says in verse 27, For against your holy service, Je- servant Jesus, whom you anointed, they have raised up against him to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand. And he said, now look on their threats, verse 29, and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders will be done through your name, the name of Jesus. And when they had prayed, The place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. And then it goes on and they again were sharing all things in common. Prayer released boldness. Prayer released provision. And prayer released the beginning of signs and wonders among them all. Amen? They were all gathered together praying. And they said, we're asking that you would stretch out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Remember, at first it was saying, the apostles were doing these things. But now they're praying, this whole company, stretch out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders being accompanied. Prayer is releasing the beginnings of signs and wonders. It's giving boldness to the church. And provision is theirs. Amen. Prayer produces. That's as far as we're going in Acts tonight. Think in three chapters the things that a praying people were able to see. Now, measure that with our current situation. Why are we not praying big, bold prayers? I just I just spent three chapters in the book of Acts. Showing you things that occurred because the church was prayerful. Revival. A movement begins. Miracles are occurring. Healing is taking place. Radical generosity is happening. Unity has come like never before. Boldness is being brought where they're standing up to opposition. And they will not accept what their government or their leaders would say to them. They would stand up and declare, this is who we are. This is who we believe in. And we are going to proclaim. And God was with them. But today. We pray our little half-baked prayers. A minute for my bless me list. Help me to be the best me that I can be today. Help every blessing. Help me find the right parking spot at Walmart. Amen. Some of us, that's the most prayer we get in a day. Amen. Let me make this statement to you. And I'm going I'm to close. But if, if, we are not, if we are not speaking of what God can do. And if we are not asking Him to do it. 
when things in our world do begin to happen that God's trying to get the attention of people, we will have no credibility to then try to tell them it was God doing it. Let me, let me try to clarify that. Let me try to say that maybe in a little clearer way. How many know God is always going to attempt to capture the attention of His world? And if we are not telling people of the great things God can do, and if we are not asking God to do those great things, then when God is reaching out and things happen in our world to capture the attention of these people, we will have no credibility then to come back and say, yeah, God was doing that for you. We need to be telling them now so that when they see it, we can confirm it was God moving in their life. I, I, hope, I hope you'll hear that. I mean, today, this morning, I got up this morning and I was praying. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord lead me, not saying... I'm not saying he gave me the, the, the answer. I just felt the leading of the Lord to begin to pray. I felt challenged to begin to pray that this COVID-19 virus would be miraculously eradicated. So much so that the numbers of positive tests and the numbers of death and the numbers of hospitalization, when the news reports it, it would be just an collapse how many believe God could do that then why in the world are we not asking him for it amen we have to be smart we live in this world we understand the world goes through rough times but can I tell you God has healed plagues before I, I read my, my Bible reading I read through the Bible uh, constantly, and in my Bible reading right now, I've finished, I'm starting back over, and I, I'm reading through, and I've been reading through the Pentateuch, which the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, I'm reading through there, and let me tell you, God did some amazing miracles, and not just for a few people, He did it for a whole nation. He provided food for a whole nation when they were hungry. He provided water when their water was all bad. He healed plagues that would come upon them. Amen. Pastor, are you saying because the plagues in the Bible were curses from God? Are you saying that this virus is a curse? I'm not saying it's a curse because of sin of people. But I am saying this world we live in is a fallen world. And all of the things, the disasters and the plagues and all the things that come upon this world are, are due to the fact that this is a sinful world. And there is judgment on a sinful world. I'm not saying God sends this as judgment on people. This is the world we live in until it's all renewed. But God has always had those when they called upon Him, when they called upon the Lord, He stayed the plagues. Are y'all out there? Are y'all hearing me? Well, you know, I don't really want to be too bold praying that because what if I make God look bad because I'm asking for something and it doesn't happen? You're not going to make God. If your God is so small that you can make Him look bad, you don't serve the same God that I do. All I know is the Bible tells us to ask. 
And all I know is I felt led in my spirit, in my prayer time, to begin to ask. And then I felt the Lord. And, and you know what I did? I was so radical with it. I began to ask. And then I took out my notes and I wrote down what I was praying the time I began praying it, and the date I began praying it, because I fully expect that there may just come a time down the road that I'm going to be able to testify to somebody and say, I was just one of many voices in the church that began to pray for this exact thing to happen. And I've got proof of when I prayed it before it came. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Amen? Because then we can have credibility to be a voice to our world that says, our God did this. Man will always try to take credit for it. But if we're asking God and we have a credible voice, we can then take to those that will hear, have eyes to see and ears to hear, and they can call upon the name of the Lord. We may be living in the moment of another great awakening. I mean, we could see, we could see a miracle of people turning back to the Lord of biblical proportions. But if the church won't be bold enough to pray for it and to ask for it. The Bible says we have not, James chapter 4, we have not because we ask not. Go read verses 1 through 3, James chapter 4. We have not because we ask not. Or we ask amiss because we just want to consume it upon our own lusts. I think God's saying to us, why, why aren't you asking? Can I, here's what I told the team out there today that were out there when I was talking to them. What do we have to lose? Amen. What do we have to lose? What good is it doing to just sit around and wither around and wallow around and argue about masks or no masks? When we could be asking God for something greater, and that is a complete defeat of the virus that would show the glory and power of God to those that would hear it and see it. I believe God wants a church that's willing to stand up and be bold in this moment. I believe God can still do things that man can't do. And I believe God can still receive the credit. I believe that when people's hearts are darkened, it's a great opportunity for the light of the truth of Jesus Christ and our Father to be seen and revealed. And the only ones that's going to, the news media is not going to reveal it. Our politicians, are, they'll want to take credit for it. But you and me and the church that's asking in our communities connected to people can tell them look what the Lord is doing look what God has done we've been asking him and now and, and then those that will hear and believe and receive can find everlasting life somebody ought to hear what I'm saying if the church will pray it's time opportunity is in front of us are we too timid to believe for a great move of God and a great outpouring. Are we such a weakened church? I, I believe we could be the very generation that precedes the catching away of the church, the rapture. And I believe we could be the generation that sets the table for judgment upon this earth. But that's not the goal. The goal is found in Revelation 21 where it's not talking about the judgment that came upon this earth. But he says, behold... I make all things 
new. And I believe we may be the generation of people that are setting the stage for everything becoming new. I don't think God needs a timid bunch of weak Christians that won't pray, that won't sacrifice, that won't lay down our will and our desire, that would rather argue than communicate with God. Our world needs a church that will stand up and be bold for Jesus in the face of whatever opposition because there are souls that need to be saved. I know I'm preaching more than teaching, but that's all right. Plagues and droughts and floods and disasters. Don't ever quit praying. Keep asking. Because God can do anything. These could be the beginnings of the last days. We're living in a world right now where child sex trafficking is being pointed out more than ever before. It's coming to light more than ever before. And these are moments we need to begin to intercede. Sexual deviancy is on the rise. But these are moments where a praying church can make a difference. Do you know in Jerusalem and in the Roman kingdom of that period, sexual deviancy was on the rise. Sex trafficking was all around them. Pedophilia was big in Rome and, and the outlying regions there. And the church was raised up in that environment to make a difference that thousands of people would come to the Lord in just a short span of time. And the world would be turned upside down. We have no excuse. It's time to respond. False God worship is all around us. Lawlessness. It's not just over in third world countries. It's in the streets of the United States of America. Looting and rioting destroying people's property and killing people. I sat and watched on TV just the other day where a couple of elderly ladies were trying to stand up against what was going on and the looters and the rioters. One of them, they spray painted all over her and the other one kept pushing her and damaging her. I want to tell you, lawlessness abounds. Sin abounds. But where sin abounds, my Bible still says grace will much more abound. But a praying church is going to be necessary in the world we live in. A silent church becomes a co-conspirator with the enemy. When we say nothing, we give our voice to the enemy. Will you pray? Will you believe with me? You might think I'm crazy. That's all right. People watching me online, you might think I'm crazy, but that's all right. I'm going to ask you to begin to pray with me. And let us agree together that God will work a miracle that man will have to wiggle all around to try to explain away. Amen. I, 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 I want to see it. I want to see Dr. Fauci have to explain what God just did. Amen. Come on. 
I want to see others stand up and say, well, this something happened here or something. No. And I want the church to be able to stand up and say, no, this is what we were believing for. Our God is able. I don't know what's going to happen. There are some things we have to go through. There are some battles that we have to walk through. But all I know is I don't want it to be said of me that I didn't receive it because I didn't ask for it. I want to begin to ask God for the miraculous that will see His glory revealed in our world and our culture. And I'm asking you to join with me. Those of you that are proficient at Facebook and Twitter, I'm going to ask you that every time you are tempted to put another post on there about COVID-19, that rather than do that, you stop right then and you spend that time asking God to work a miracle in the situation. Amen. Time's too short. The day's too late. I've got family members. In my prayer time, I wrote that down because when God does what I'm believing He can do and He shows His glory however He ends up showing it, I, I want to be able to show those family members that even before we saw it, we were praying for it. those in the house stand with me if you're online bow your heads where you're at I've been seeing people say they're going to pray it's it's what it takes if God could do it in Acts 2, 3 and 4 and we're going to see he's going to do it in Acts 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. If he can do it then, he can still do it now. He wants to release something in this moment. And I want to be a part of it. When I went to prayer this morning, I did not intend on that being my prayer. That's just where I felt led. And I feel like I've walked with the Lord long enough to know that when the Lord leads me to something, it means He wants something from me. And He's wanting to do something. And I just have a belief that he's beginning and he's leading people all around this world that are his people to pray this same prayer. So let's begin to pray that God will show his glory in this moment. I'm not putting limits on him. I'm asking him for that miracle. And I'm not putting limits on him. I just want him to show his glory. Because people need Jesus. They need to be confronted again. And make a decision. We're going to pray. Remember Jesse and Andrea and the family. Remember our teachers. Our students. Our families. Our support staff. Our administrators. And let's pray. For the miracle of God.
We ask for healing after we find out something's wrong. We ask for protection when we know something we're about to face. We ask for help when we don't know what to do. Why don't we try asking God even before? And see what he will do. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Awaken your church. Lord, the sleeping giant that is your church. Lord, I know I'm and those that are here and our church, we're not we're not the only ones and There are multiplied thousands around this world that as we awaken together and as we believe and begin to believe you for the miraculous, that there can come a revival and awakening to this world and an end time harvest could be reaped. You said in your word, pray. The Lord of the harvest for laborers in the harvest. So, Father, I'm asking right now for co-laborers that will labor in prayer. 